Thank you for joining us for episode 37 of Head Start, a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. So with that in mind, knowing that's where we're going, before we get there, I'd like to speak some words of encouragement uh, to you leaders, adult and student ministry life group leaders. And I'll start by with this statement here. Never underestimate the power of the invite. Invitations are so stinking powerful, okay? I, I personally, just my personal testimony, uh, ended up in church. I landed in church because Joe Simbor invited me to go to church. He invited me. I understood, I sat under the preaching of Denny Rogers, I sat in a Sunday school class at Crestview Baptist Church in Prattville, uh, under Mike Hill, my Sunday school teacher, who was, a, uh, he was in the Air Force, and I, was, I heard the gospel presented, and I responded to the gospel message, inviting Christ into my life. Why? Uh, because this dude, a friend of mine, invited me to go to church. According to Scott McConnell, he's the executive director of Lifeway Research, almost half of churchgoers who participate in small group join that group because a leader or a member of the group inviting, invited them to. 47% of the people who join a group do so because a leader or a member invites them to be to connect in that group relationships are so important. They are the most effective way to get people to join our groups. So today, here's what we know, is that today most adults will visit a worship service long before they'll visit your life group. They're going to come to worship. They'll sit in worship. Uh, The worship service feels safe for them. It'll feel safe for a guest. No one's going to ask them to pray out loud. They don't have to interact with people. They can remain anonymous uh, until they're ready to reveal themselves to someone else. So here's my encouragement to you life group leaders, student ministry, and adults. Go fishing in the pond. I'm going to refer to the pond as the venues where we have worship, the worship center, the East Venue. Let me encourage you as leaders to go fishing in the pond. Let me encourage you to lead your groups to go fishing in the pond. And what that means is typically we um, we sit in similar places, right? Like we'll sit in a, in a similar section. We'll sit in that section week after week after week. And, and in that pond, the worship venue, pay attention to the people that sit around you. Lead your group members to pay attention who sit around them. And if they notice someone that they don't know if they're in a life group, lead your group members. And you be an example here. And go and engage someone in the pond. Engage someone in that worship venue and invite them. Who knows? Who knows what God may do through that simple invitation that comes before or after a worship service? Who knows? Someone may connect and come and be a part of your life group next Sunday uh, because of a simple invitation. Never underestimate the power of the invite. Lead your folks to do that. You be that example. Thank you so much. So, all right, 
Now, all, there's the word of encouragement to you as leaders. Now, let's look at Psalm uh, chapter 38, and I'm really interested in how Brian's going to handle a couple of these passages. This is going to be good. I'm just going to do it like the Thomas Jefferson Bible and just skip right over them. There it you know, is. Chop them out. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. So, man, Psalm 38 is a heavy, uh, interesting, and uh, deep psalm. And so let me encourage you with the words that our preaching professor gave to uh, us while I was at Beeson Divinity School. Um, he said, there is no substitute for time in the text. Mm. Life group leaders, you have got to get out ahead of this one. Um, as we move to Psalm 38, the subject for the week is prayers of confession. Um, and this is interesting. Uh, in an interesting kind of way, a prayer of confession. Um, it's not how we would think to confess sin, uh, but man, the psalmist here has hit the lowest of lows, and they are desperate and in need of help, and they've realized that it's because of their sin that they're in the situation that they're in. So lots of things that we're going to cover, uh, but again, hear my encouragement, get in this one early uh, so that you can be prepared when you come together with your group to discuss it, all right? So we're going to break it up into a number of different sections. The first one is really just going to contain uh, the title and the first verse. Um, we're told that this is a psalm of David, uh, and so David probably is the writer here. Uh, that could also mean that it's about David, um, somebody else writing a psalm, you know, kind of in David's shoes. Uh, and then it says it's a psalm for remembrance. So first thing that we need to know when it comes to confessing sin, as it's described in Psalm 38, is that we confess sin to the Lord because we need the Lord to remember us. Not in the sense of, like, he's forgotten us. But when God remembers in the Bible, he acts. Um, and so when we confess our sin to him, uh, asking for him to remember us in our sinful estate, uh, he moves to forgive us, to cleanse us, and then to free us from the mess that we have made by way of our sin. Uh, in the first verse, he says, don't punish me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Now, it's interesting because if you read the rest of the psalm, this is already what's happening. The psalmist is already being punished. In God, uh, God, God in his anger is, is punishing him, uh, and he's disciplining him in uh, his wrath. He is angry about the sin that the psalmist has undertaken, um, and so the psalmist is experiencing that, that discipline. Why he's asking this is because, we're going to find out, uh, there has been a change of heart and attitude. He, he is coming to the Lord now to say, it's me, I did it, I sinned, um, and I need your forgiveness, but Lord, I also need your help. The reason for that is because in verses 2 through 14, we're going to find out that the situation the psalmist is in is bad. I mean, really, really bad. Um, and let me just say this real, real quick as an aside. When it comes to church people, so many of us are born into, you know, like we sing in a song, if grace is an ocean, God's grace is an ocean. So many of us are born into that ocean that we're much like fish in water, right? We hardly notice that grace is there. It's all around us. It's only once we're removed from grace, which as believers, we don't experience that in a 100% removal kind of way, but we experience it in sometimes God disciplining us by removing blessing from us. 
it's only when we're removed from it, like fish taken out of water, that all of a sudden we realize, uh-oh, I needed that, and I needed it really bad, and we flop and flail because we're starved for uh, what provided us uh, life-giving oxygen. We don't realize how bad we need God's grace because we don't realize how lifeless a place sin truly is apart from God's grace, right? We've got to remember that as we come to this passage, um, and you're going to see that over the course of these verses. Let me just highlight a few things. Um, he says in verse 2, God's arrows have sunk into him, and his hand has pressed down on him. So imagine that, you know, like uh, like an ant underneath the thumb or the palm of your hand, and you're putting pressure down on it. Like it's that crushing experience. Um, I've never been shot with an arrow uh, but I don't imagine that it's an enjoyable experience either. He goes on to describe um, that his sin has led to God's anger, which has led to God's discipline, and that has brought about disease in his body. He describes that in a number of ways, and this is where Matt was itching for us to get to in the passage. Um, there's no soundness in his body, like no well-being. The whole thing is falling apart. Uh, there's no health in his bones uh, his iniquities have flooded over his head. He's drowning uh, and being crushed. They are a burden too heavy for him to bear. Um, we're going to come back to this section in just a second for uh, the, the question that Kyle's going to highlight. But he says his wounds are foul and festering. Uh, he's bent over and brought very low. He goes around all day in mourning. And then verse 7, uh, his insides are full of burning pain. There's no soundness in the body. Again, he repeats it. Now, if you're a King James reader or an American <laughs> Standard Version, it's going to say something more like, low, I have a burning disease in my loins. <laughs> um, there's a great Tim Hawkins Christian comedian story about <laughs> accidentally writing this as his life verse. He was looking for <laughs> Psalm 37, 4, uh, and he accidentally wrote Psalm 38, 7. And so then people went to look it up, and, you know, there it was. Yikes. Uh, but anyway, all of this goes to say, uh, man, the psalmist is in a really terrible place, not just spiritually, um, bodily. He is falling apart and being destroyed. And he recognizes over and over again, read it carefully, that it's because of his sin. It's because of his iniquities. Uh, it's because of his foolishness um, that he's in the situation that he's in. Yeah, and that leads into one of the um, really good questions. There's several really good um, questions that call forth a lot of transparency in this lesson. Um, but one that stands out is uh, on page 15, and, and it's this. Uh, why is it important to recognize your own responsibility for the effects sin has on your life? And you just see even in this psalm, David from the very beginning is talking about the Lord rebuking him and disciplining him, and, and this is happening because of my sin, my iniquities, just very much owning um, responsibility for his present circumstance. And, and all of us face the natural and very fleshly um, temptation to pass blame. Uh, um, I'm going to blame others or circumstances or whatever for my actions, but genuine confession um, owns what needs to be owned uh, when it comes to our sin. And so um, just being able to talk with your uh, group about the importance of um, humbling ourselves before the Lord and actually um, uh, owning our responsibility, that question really could 
bring about some good um, and needed discussion. It also speaks to the measures moment for this this week, which is a student of the Lord um, being uh the fact that we, as we grow, as we come to live lives that are changed, uh, um, the reality is that change happens as we continually are repenting and believing. And so, you know, we don't just repent at the beginning of salvation. We repent uh, really every time that we sin, which is daily. So we daily need to be calling out to the Lord um, in confession asking for his forgiveness, asking for his grace to change. And and the measures moment this week, uh, it focusing in on being a student who lives changed, uh, that really comes about through repentance and, and faith. That's good. So picking up in verse 9, uh, we are still in that section where he's describing uh, the agony of his situation. He brings the Lord back to play uh, in verse 9. He says, Lord, my every desire is in front of you. My sighing is not hidden from you. In other words, I, I know you're still there. I know you're watching me. I know you see the pain that I'm in. And it's almost like maybe he's coming up you know, to that turn, that turn that happens in Psalms sometimes, and he's going to start describing how faithful God is and that God has provided for him. But then immediately we go right back down to the depths of despair in verse 10. Listen to the words. He is describing that he's close to death, right? His heart rate is speeding up. His strength is leaving him. And even the light of his eyes is fading. That's how bad this is. I mean, he's on death's door. It gets worse. Um, Verse 11, his friends, loved ones, and relatives are far away. They stand off at a distance. We don't know why this is, right? It could be because uh, of the disease that he has. He's um, ceremonially unclean at this point, and they don't want to be around him because then they too would become unclean. Uh, Or it just could be because they're looking at him like, man, God does not like you right now, and we need to stay away before that, you know, uh, that judgment comes down. Uh, But look who is close to him. Verse 12, those who intend to kill me set traps. Those who want to harm me threaten to destroy me. They plot treachery all day long. So the enemies that the psalmist has are close by. Uh, They've set up camp right near him because they're seeing an opportunity to take advantage and finish the job, so to speak, right? God has made it difficult on the psalmist. Uh, Let's take it the rest of the way and and, and kill him off. Um, Again, verse 13, he kind of summarizes it with the death of his senses. He's a deaf person, doesn't hear. Speechless person, doesn't open his mouth. He's a man who does not hear and has no arguments in his mouth. Now, this is right before the turn does occur. And again, what what we've got to hear here uh, is that, like, the guy needs a miracle. Again, friends, we are so used to grace that it's really easy for us to read this passage and be like, oh, yeah, man, that, that was bad for him. This is all of our condition in sin apart from Jesus Christ. We are in need of a miracle. We're we're dead uh, in our trespasses. Ephesians 2 is going to put it that way for us. So understand that, like, there is no hope that this confession is going to go anywhere unless the psalmist is a child of God. And he is. And so in verse 15, he reminds us of that and makes the turn to confidence. He says, I put my hope in you, Lord. And he emphasizes that. He actually uses the pronoun you twice right together. I put my hope in you, Lord. You will answer me, my Lord, my God. Notice the repeating that's happening uh, in order to emphasize where his hope comes from. Um, On the back side 
of that um, declaration of hope. He's going to um, remind God of his situation again, right? In verse 17, I'm about to fall. My pain is constantly within me. But look at verse 18. This is where kind of it, it, it occurs in front of us. He says, so I confess my iniquity, right? Um, all these situations, all the arrows that the Lord has shot, uh, all of the crushing pressure that the Lord has brought about have been aimed at getting the psalmist to the point where he is hopeless and despairing in need of a miracle so that he will cry out to the Lord his God. And when he does, the Lord stands ready to rescue and deliver him. Um, and at that point, his enemies like don't matter. They, they are vigorous and powerful, like he says in verse 19, and they hate him for no reason. Uh, those who repay evil for good attack him just for pursuing good. But he's confident, and therefore he asks uh, for the Lord not to abandon him. I want to, real quick, just focusing on verse 18, take apart the word confess. Um, it's going to be really important that we don't lose sight, like I mentioned earlier, and just talk about the psalmist who is in this bad situation and forget that what we're trying to learn how to do on this given Sunday uh, through this life group is pray prayers of confession, right? So whatever situationally the Lord does to get you and I to a point where we are ready to say, okay, Lord, you're right. This is me. Uh, I have not walked with you. I have sinned against you. Whatever situationally the Lord brings about to get us to that moment, there's a few things we've got to understand um, in order to make confession uh, appropriate and in line with God's word. Number one, uh, the word actually in Greek, if you take it apart, it, it lends itself to this meaning uh, that it's agreeing with uh, what has been spoken, right? Um, now, obviously, the Psalms written in Hebrew, that same construction is not there, but the word means the same thing. Confessing is about seeing in God's word where God said to go one way, understanding that I, in sinful rebellion, not in mistake, not in struggle, you know, in sinful rebellion, I chose to go my own way. And in that, because of that, Lord, uh, I treated you like an enemy instead of my father. I rebelled against you. Um, Again, friends, it's not just the big things. Like, we don't pray prayers of confession only when we, you know, commit adultery. Uh, we pray prayers of confession over the sinful attitudes that we bring home after a long day uh, at work. We pray prayers of confession over the lack of intentionality that we exhibit in leading our homes or in um, sharing the gospel with those that are around us. So we agree with God that we've gone wrong. Number two, we accept the discipline that God has given us to try and point us back to the right path. Number three, and just as important, we ask for help. Not one of us can climb out of the pit of despair that sin puts us in without the help of the Lord. And so we do not need to be shy about asking him to, to, to lower his hand, right, and pull us out from the pit that we've dug. Uh, and then number four, we rest in his love and we understand um, that he is the uh, God who is eager to forgive. He loves to forgive his children. Um, that all comes through through the plea for help in verses 21 and 22, uh, and you see those and, and can read them. He calls God the Lord of his salvation and asks him not to be far. Um, last thing I'll say is this. 1 John 1, 9 should always, as Christians, it should always color our interpretation of confession. We have a promise and a guarantee, an assurance, um, that when we confess our sins, God has actually tied to his character, 
the response that he will give us, right? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember that on the cross, Jesus in his humanity was forsaken so that you and I do not have to be and never have to be as children of God. Thank you, Brian. I want to point us to the live it out, uh, the application part of this. And I, I think this is really important for each of us. Remember, you know, we really are dealing with the sanctification part of our life as children of God. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So when Jesus shed his blood on the cross uh, on our behalf, in our place, um, when we turn from our sin and put our trust in Christ, then the penalty of sin is paid in full, past, present, future. But what we're looking at here is how to grow to be more like Jesus, how to uh, grow uh, in the power of God being at work in our life in a greater way. And what Psalm 38 reminds us is the danger of undealt with sin and, and the destruction that it can have in our life. And even as a child of God, um, interfering with God's good work, uh, interfering with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life, interfering with our witness, uh, because uh, we can identify some of those points of desperation when we are excusing sin or trying to escape or dull the consequences of sin. So number one on the live it out is evaluate your life. Uh, identify any area that you've been using to escape or dull the consequences of sin in your life, realizing that even as a child of God, uh, sin is dangerous and destructive. Uh, Even though the penalty of sin is paid in full, the power of God at work in you is hindered and quenched when we are allowing sin uh, to lurk in our life. And so uh, are, are there any areas of our life that, that we can see we use to try to run from that um, uh, real, realization that sin has not been confessed and repented from? Uh, what are we using as escape mechanisms, or how do we justify our sin and try to dull the consequences of it? And then uh, following that uh, awareness up would spend time in confession. And let me just encourage you to equip life group members. Uh, confession needs to be specific. It, it, it cannot live in the realm of, uh, dear Lord, forgive us of all of our sin. Thank you for forgiving us of our sin. Amen. Uh, it needs to be, dear God, pride is real in my life. And, and I, I have exalted myself to the point of being hurtful toward others or sexual idolatry is real. I I really struggle with lustful thoughts or uh, lustful looks or feeding that in my life or envy or jealousy. Uh, We need to be really specific about where those areas of sin are and call that back to the Lord. And that's part of that agreeing with God that this is wrong and I see it in my life, and and then the heartbeat, uh, dear God, I need your help, and I desire forgiveness, and I want to turn from that. And then second, it just kind of feeds into uh, that practice every day. Incorporate confession of sin into your prayers this week. Uh, I can promise you uh, sin has negative effect uh, for every child of God who tries to escape it or not deal with it. Mm-hmm. But there is glorious freedom and joy in the Lord when we 
understand that we can call that ugly sin out to the Lord and we can confess it and desire to turn from it. And then this God who is faithful and righteous will indeed cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there is a joy uh, that is given to the child of God who spends time in confession for cleansing. And so I encourage you uh, to let's get real and lean into this tough element of prayer in our life and make sure it's prominent uh, in every prayer that we have with the Lord. Well, fellas, I really do appreciate you guys uh, uh, guiding us as we walk through this content and as we look uh, to better, best be prepared uh, to guide our, lead our groups on Sunday mornings. This is uh, week two of this sermon series on pray. Uh, last week was adoration, today confession. Uh, next Sunday, we'll look at lament. We'll, the following Sunday, Thanksgiving, and the Sunday after that, supplication. So uh, to be able to equip our people to uh, be in that, walk in that personal relationship in prayer is so important for us as a church. Um, so I uh, appreciate you guys investing into our leaders in this way. Now, before we wrap our time up together, uh, let me just give a couple reminders to you leaders. Uh, this Wednesday, we will begin um, Block 2, the spring uh, e-groups Block 2. Uh, this Wednesday, uh, we'll have meals beginning at 5 o'clock. Groups will start at 6. Uh, there are five different options for you to choose from. You can go to our website, click on events, uh, and there's a title and description of each of the five offerings that are available. Uh, encourage you. Uh, to invite your group to go and register and to be a part of one of these e-groups uh, that are coming up. So uh, that's coming really quickly. Uh, next, uh, one that's a little bit further out into the distance, but not too far, uh, there's a leadership gathering that'll be on uh, Sunday, February the 25th at 3 p.m. We'll meet in the East Venue. Each of you should have received an email giving information and an invitation uh, to participate in this leadership gathering. It's important uh, that you are a part of this. So let me encourage you uh, in that email. It's inviting you to register. Uh, so just follow the directions in that email to get registered so you can be a part of that important gathering on Sunday afternoon, the 25th. So, all right. Thank you guys for being uh, with us today. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.